everybody welcome to true crime paranormal with the psychic sisters i'm christy brower here with my sister co-host and partner in crime katie weaver hey katie hello how's it going it's going good i kind of forgot where i was and what i was doing and took a drink just as we came on screen (laughs) (laughs) i did see that that was kind of funny yeah no i am i'm great it was so nice today warm and beautiful it was like 32 guys dude practically shorts weather around (laughs) seriously it's been so freaking cold just being above freezing is pretty amazing yeah yeah well this is our wednesday night case update show and we have a lot to share but i wanted to say hello to everybody in the chat barbara cranky GB, uh, Alexis, RJ, welcome, welcome. Good to see you all and nice to have you all here. And, you know, everybody joining after the fact as well. It's nice to have you here. Absolutely. It's been an interesting week in the true crime world. So we have quite a bit to share. We do. It has been quite a week in the true crime world. Yeah. Uh, Cranky, yep. In the 40s, get out the shorts. When it's been I, so cold, it does, like, make you want to, like, not even wear a jacket. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. People that don't live in that kind of cold are like, are you crazy? <laughs> right. Well, we ran errands this afternoon, and I had a sweater on and got too warm and ditched it in the car. It feels amazing. Right? That is so nice. Yeah. Especially with the sun shining in the windows. And, yeah. This feels like pre-spring. It really yes, does. It does. Also... We saw a skunk hit on the highway. (gasps) Oh, I mean, I'm sorry for the skunk, but that actually bodes really well because when Mm -hmm. they start coming out, it means spring is coming. It's way more accurate than the groundhog for us here in Idaho. Oh, yeah. It's all in the skunk. You start hearing, smelling skunk spray. It's spring, my friends. Right. It made me laugh because I can't smell still practically anything. And so, but I did see the skunk and I was like, wow. I said, Scott, did you smell that? And he's like, no (laughs) (laughs) and neither one of you still don't no but by god we saw it so yeah you did yeah so that is that just means that means something what did phil say i don't know one place Uh, groundhog the groundhog died right like the day before groundhog day right the puxatawney phil the the official groundhog i guess uh, I did see a shadow. It was supposed to be six more weeks of winter, but I never so, find that to be super accurate here. Yeah. Oh, the Canadian groundhog said early spring. Ooh. Oh, Alexis says her daffodils are out already. Oh, oh skunks are year round in Northern California. They are not here. And so mm-hmm. when you start noticing them in the spring, it means that the world is waking up. Yeah. Yay. Wow. Well, well, I'm going to side with the Canadian groundhog. Uh, yeah, and, me too. And the Idaho groundhog. Yes. Otherwise known as the skunk. The skunk. Definitely. Well, let's jump into it, you guys. There's so much today. And I'm just, I'm chomping at the bit to share this with you about 
the Harmony Montgomery case mm-hmm. because there have been so many questions about how did Harmony Montgomery get placed with her father, Adam? So Harmony Montgomery has been missing for approximately two years, but was only recently reported missing. She There'd been some child protection is- issues and then um, mom and dad both have had some issues. Dad's been in and out of prison. Mom had some substance abuse issues. The courts in Massachusetts placed Harmony with her dad, Adam, in uh, 2019. There's been a lot of question because Adam is a violent felon. He shot a drug dealer in the face. He's had charges for assault and burglary. And there were a lot of questions about why was Harmony placed with him in the first place? Why did a judge feel that was appropriate? Well, I want you to know that DCFS, which is the Department of Children and Family Services, or DCF, Department of Children and Family, every state calls it something different, in Massachusetts, did not want her placed with her dad. Mm-hmm. I will tell you that a judge going against DCFS is kind of unusual. Usually the judge will go with what the pros have to say because they know more, you know, they've experienced it. They've met and seen these people before. And so that was a big red flag to me that the judge went against the child protection um, advocates to, and to place her with a violent felon. Mm -hmm. And she, you know, has been missing now for two years and they're basically searching for a body at this point. So, Here's the other thing that now I I understand what happened and how she fell through the cracks. So the judge in this case, and this is the part because everybody's like, how this kid had had child protection, um, a part of her life, her whole life until she went with dad and then suddenly nothing. The judge, his name is Mark Newman, and he retired about six months after making this decision, but not only did he place her with her father but then he didn't do the thing that he should have done which was to trigger the interstate compact between basically child protection offices mm-hmm. so what happens is when a child is placed out of state so she went from massachusetts to new hampshire what should have happened is that interstate compact should have triggered a um, home study, is what they call it in Idaho, but it's an evaluation of the home and the caregivers, what needs might there be, putting services in place for the child and the family. And then there's follow-up, there's supervision. Mm-hmm. There might even be parenting classes required There's, um, you know, like in-person visits and supervision with the family and the child to make sure that everybody is okay. And the judge did not order that. Yeah. In this case, which you're placing a seven-year-old with a violent felon. Yeah. And you don't trigger the interstate compact so that. There is supervision, somebody keeping an eye on this kid and making sure that she is okay. Yeah. And she is now missing. Yeah. For two years. 
this is a huge piece of this story that we yeah. have been wondering. How, how does the hell this happen? happen? Yeah. Yeah. How, how would, you know, and, and people are looking at this, you know, experts in, you know, child protection advocacy and stuff are like, it is insane to have placed her with him in the first place. Mm-hmm. Normally, violent felons do not get their kids. They just don't yeah. in situations like this because, you know, you can't risk it. Yeah. But not only did he do that, but then he basically dumped her in New Hampshire with no one looking. Yeah. That's how this happened to Harmony Montgomery. Mm-hmm. I mean, this falls right in that judge's lap. Totally. Why would you not tr- trigger the compact, the interstate compact, so that there would be supervision and evaluation and services provided? Because Harmony had a disability and needed right. assistance. And they didn't get anything. No. Yeah. It's, this is all so wrong and such a mess. But it also begs the question, how many other children did this guy fail? Right. Is, is Harmony the only one that got dumped in another state and abandoned? Right. Because that's what happened here. She mm-hmm. went from being, you know, there being supervision and somebody looking to see what is going on with her mm-hmm. to nothing. Yeah. It just makes me sick. Yeah. Because I've seen it happen here in Idaho before in cases yeah. that I've worked on where a kid was placed in, you know, in another state and mm-hmm. um, their file follows them. All of their information follows them. Sure. There's follow up with professionals to make sure, hey, you have a grasp on this kid. You know where they are. You're going to be visiting like to make right. sure that they're going to be OK. Well, and so that parents can't just flee CPS to a different state. And run away from their problems and just start their shit up wherever they go. Right. That's really the case. That's really one of the goals is to make sure that if a family moves from one state to another, that their case moves with them Mm -hmm. so that there continues to be some safety and supervision for this kid. And yeah, the system failed her hugely. Mm -hmm. But why did this judge not trigger that? Yeah. Nobody knows, really. Yep. Um, but the fact that the Department of Children and Families was against this placement in the first place, and, it and they anyway. did it anyway, really, really question, really, really questionable at this mm-hmm. point. Why there weren't other options looked at? Yep. Yep. Well, totally, especially knowing that there was a family that was trying to adopt her, that yeah. adopted her brother, right. that wanted her. They wanted her. And yet this was the best option? Of course it wasn't. It wasn't the best option. And, you know, there's some really, it's very challenging in these situations because severing parental rights is a big friggin' deal. Mm -hmm. And it is not something that is done lightly. And it is not easy. And so to, you know, for her brother to have been it's strange to me that her brother was adopted and that she wasn't. Mm-hmm. That's a weird one for me too, because mm-hmm. usually kids kind of go in groups. Yeah. There's so much about this that doesn't make any sense at all, mm-hmm. but yeah. it is definitely um, helping us to better understand why she was so failed uh, by the system that was, that is supposed to be in place to protect her. And I know mm-hmm. that child protection makes mistakes all the time, 
they also do really good things all the time. And so it's very mm -hmm. hard. You know, you can't, there's no line to draw one way or the other. Yeah. But in this case, this is a huge mistake on the part of this yeah. judge. Now, he retired in 2019, but he is back working as a fill-in judge. And I would really like to know if this case might get reviewed. Because it should. Why did he do this? Why did he do this? Mm -hmm. You know, it's not as though there weren't other options for her. There were. Right. And, you know, there are always other options. Well, and it really appears that mom was ready to allow the kids to be adopted. You know, she, and was. she still had her rights had not been severed through CPS. And she was willing to let the kids be adopted. So that mm -hmm. really makes you think that dad was not that Adam right. wasn't. Right. Why? Because Why? they, if parents um, relinquish their rights voluntarily, so yeah. much simpler than actually sure. going through the process to sever rights. Because I've seen mm -hmm. both happen actually for my son. One parent did voluntarily, the other one, the state actually had to go through the process to sever. And it's a huge mm -hmm. deal. Yeah, for sure. But it is just really perplexing mm -hmm. and just and further proof of how broken the system is as far as family well, and uh you know state services are right there's just so and, many problems and just the the acknowledgement that when you make a decision like this for for at the time a five-year-old child it's mm -hmm. literally a life or death decision yeah and why would you not choose supervision for her mm-hmm just, I will never understand it. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're right, Alexis. Everybody should have to answer for the decisions that they've made, including judges. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, absolutely. But yeah. I, you know, I'm really glad that this information is out there in the world now that we know. Because there have been huge questions. Like, how did she get to this position anyway? Mm -hmm. Considering that they'd already been... Her, she and her sibling had already been in care and, the, the, you know, all this stuff. Yeah. 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 No kidding. Well, I wanted to share that with you because that's very important and it's important for us to understand how, um, you know, child protection systems work because every, you know, every department has a different name in each state. The laws are same, different in every state, but there is a, a willingness to work together for the protection of children between states. Yeah. And those interstate compacts, that's very common. You know, we have them in Idaho as well to other states. Mm -hmm. And I, I mean, what was the big deal? Why not trigger that? It wasn't. Yeah. I don't, makes no sense. So that is what's happening in the Harmony Montgomery case right now. Um, Katie, there's a little bit of update in the Cassidy Rainwater case. Do you want to yeah. share that with us? A little bit going on. There was court this week for Timothy Norton, or there was supposed to be uh, his preliminary, and he ended up waiving it. So there's an arraignment mm -hmm. for him on February 22nd. And then uh, Norton, so, so here's kind of how it, it, it goes. So Norton has pled not guilty to charges of first-degree murder, kidnapping, and abandonment of a corpse. So James Phelps, who is also charged with the same charges, he has yet to enter a plea. 
But he just well, uh, he changed judge, <laughs> and hmm. now first he he insisted on a change of judge. Yes, yeah, because uh, apparently that judge probably knew too much about his bullshit. Yeah, right. so probably now he's been assigned a new attorney, and the interesting thing about it is that this attorney is uh, death penalty certified. Now they have not actually announced that they're seeking the death penalty in this case as of yet. But it's definitely interesting that he is actually seeking a death penalty attorney or has now a death penalty attorney. So he'll be in court on the 18th. So there'll be a little more to come with both of these guys. And is that court on the 18th? What is, is it a preliminary? Criminal setting is, is what it says in the article I read. He'll, Phelps is expected in court on the 18th for a criminal setting. Oh, I have no idea what that means. I mean, either. Because I wonder if he's going to waive his preliminary, too. I would imagine. Oh, okay. A different article. I had two pulled up because I wanted to make sure I was uh, set here. Oh, it also says that. James Phelps has not entered a plea in the case against him. He has a criminal setting scheduled for February 18th, where attorneys will update the court on what's going on with Phelps's case. Oh, okay. Oh, check in, apparently. Well, they've made all these changes. Change judge, yeah. change attorney. Because, yeah, that's because he's got to enter a plea mm -hmm. and then they've got to decide on if there's going to be a preliminary hearing. Mm -hmm. It's interesting because these cases are not running concurrently at all. Mm -mm. And so, you know, things are, have moved forward pretty quickly with Timothy Norton compared mm -hmm. to compared to Phelps. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. I'm glad to see this is finally going somewhere, though. Oh, me too. Me too. Yep. There's a lot going on there, you know, kind of behind the scenes, but nothing all that exciting yet. But, you know, court later this week might, or this month might be interesting. I mean, it could have been interesting, uh, you know, if they didn't waive that preliminary, we might have learned some new stuff, but. Right. I know. I'm kind of bummed when they waive the preliminary because you don't learn anything because they don't have to present any, they don't have to present well, it's like any with of the their crumblies, You know, the crumblies just keep fighting for. You know, just keep fighting to get their bail reduced and keep fighting for this and that. And now they were having the preliminary. And because of that, the prosecutor just keeps having to roll out a little more evidence and a little more evidence. And it's uh, very interesting, you know. <laughs> it is. It's very interesting. Well, and speaking of the Crumleys, so they are um, in there. There's a preliminary hearing happening for them this week. And mm -hmm. some things have come out. Um, some new things that we... That we didn't know. Um, you know, one of the things that we have discovered is that the Crumley's marriage was struggling and they were actually both having affairs at mm -hmm. one point. And then I guess they had an anniversary and decided that they were going to try to work it out. Mm -hmm. Jennifer Crumley talked about what was going on with her son with a lot of other people. Yeah. Um, she didn't do anything to help him, but she sure did, uh, you know, work the old sympathy bone pretty oh, hard. Man. She talked at work people. a lot. Yeah. yeah. Well, and to her horseback riding teacher. Oh, man. Yeah. So the night, the, the day that the shooting happened. So this is Ethan Crumley who uh, committed a school shooting or is alleged to have committed a school shooting in um, Ox at Oxford High School. Mm -hmm. 
and this is in Michigan. So the day of the shooting, he had been drawing guns and writing scary things like help me and the thoughts won't stop and stuff like that on a piece of paper. So the school had called his parents in and they came in, they refused to take him home mm-hmm. and left him there. And then not long after he, he, you know, shot the school up. Mm-hmm. So she, on that day, she's just gross, man. Just gross. Mm-hmm. She's telling people that she's a failure as a parent and bad things are happening with her son while he's at school with a gun, you know, and she's not doing anything about it. Um, she also texted their horseback riding, her horseback riding instructor and said, having a really bad day, but I'll still be there tonight for my horseback riding lesson. Yeah. This is the day of the shooting before the shooting happened. But before, but after the um, meeting with the school, mm-hmm. which I was just like, wow, okay, nice. Um, she was going to bring him with her so he could yeah. ride horses too. Um, oh, some other things. When, when she discovered that the gun was gone, or her husband did, yeah. She texted a coworker that he's going to kill himself and he must be the shooter mm-hmm. after she ran out of her office saying, oh, she had sent a, a text also to a coworker. The gun is gone and so are the bullets. Mm-hmm. And then she hears there's an active shooter at her son's school and she leaves. And then she texts her coworker. OMG, Andy, he's going to kill himself. He must be the shooter. This is to mm-hmm. her boss. Yeah. And then followed it up with Ethan, did it. Mm-hmm. And then texts to her boss. All of this is just, it's so selfish. I need my job. Please don't judge me for what my son did. Yeah. And basically and, indicated she'd be back to work in a day or two. Yeah. And the And the boss said, I was surprised she was worried about her job at that point. I thought she would be more concerned about what was going on. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, hello? Yeah. Uh, I won't be to work for I don't know how long because this just happened with my son. Yeah. So then here are some text messages from Ethan's phone that I think are very telling and honestly just sad as hell. Mm-hmm. Um, in April, he texted a friend, I'm going to ask my parents to go to the doctor tomorrow. And this time I'm going to tell them about the voices. Um, oh, I only told them about the people I saw. Like I am mentally and physically dying. Um, prior to that, he had texted his mom at one point and said someone was in the house and he heard a door slam, but no one was there. A text that said, can you get home now? There is someone in the house, I think. Someone walked in the bathroom and flushed the toilet and left the light on. And maybe I thought maybe it was you, but when I came out, there was no one home. And then uh, maybe it's just my paranoia. When are you going to get home? This was at night. Yeah. She didn't respond until 1021 the next morning. And oh all she God. said was, where's your dad? So she never responded to any of those things yeah. that he was texting. How much time alone was Ethan spending exactly? 
Sounds like a lot. Mm-hmm. So then a few days later, okay, so the house is now haunted. Some weird shit just happened and I'm scared. I got some videos and pictures of the demon. It is throwing bowls. I'm not joking. It effed up the kitchen. And a half an hour later, can you at least text back? He never responded to that text. My God. Yeah. So, you know, basically there are several people testifying kind of about what they knew and what Jennifer Crumley had been saying to them about Ethan and about this situation. Mm-hmm. And uh doesn't look good. No. Um, you know, and of course the defense attorneys were all defensive and, you know, well, why didn't you tell her to take him to get some help and that kind of stuff? Like, right. Yeah. This also, is everyone else's fault. It's still everyone else's fault. Still everyone else's fault. Um, also there was a statement made by the defense attorney. Were you aware that school officials told Jennifer that Ethan is not a threat to anyone? Um, that came with a huge, um, objection from the prosecution. That is a narrative that the defense has been trying to spin. And the school has said they never said that. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Oh, anyway, proof of the school saying that it's not like that was written. Uh, the one coworker, when they crossed her, after she had said that, you know, Jennifer had told her all about her affair and her marriage being messed up and always talking about her horses and her worries about her horses and all the things she was doing for her horses. Um, you know, and then she had testified to some of the stuff that Jennifer had told her and they get up to cross her and they're like, yeah, but you guys weren't actually friends. Right. And she's like, well, I don't, we weren't close friends. Bitch, you're coming to this person at work and telling them all about your affair. Right. Yeah, your friends. Yeah, your friends. Yeah, or she you was just telling a hell of a big mouth. Like it right, sounds yeah. like there was quite a bit of TMI going on at work. It it does. It does. Really, really just sick. Just sick. And and yeah, exactly. Very focused on herself, right, Paula? Mm-hmm. Very focused on herself mm-hmm. and you know how this was gonna reflect on yeah. her and not so much about what he needed. And I mean, telling her the things he's seeing, demons and stuff like that. And asking, saying, I'm going to ask my parents to take me to the doctor. That happened in April, April of last year. And the shooting happened in November. So what happened between April and November? Right. Because I don't think this kid got any help. Well, no. And we don't know because, again, the prosecutor's just rolling out enough. You know, right. they're just rolling out as much as they have to, to get us, you know, to, to the next step. So we don't know. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, eventually, I think, mm-hmm. but. Well, they've got all of that. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've got their phones. They have all of their communication between them and it looks terrible. I mean, yeah. I can't imagine my son texting me things like that mm-hmm. and not immediately you know going home first Mm -hmm. to figure out what was going on and getting him some help yeah right gb he was aware that he needed help he was asking for help from his parents they were not giving it you know he was also asking at the school yeah 
the writing on that paper, the mm-hmm. thoughts won't stop. Help me. Yeah. Hello. How much, you know, she how said much a more picture of that to one of her coworkers. Yeah, she did. And was showing, and they said, this seems really disturbing. And she said, I yeah. know. Oh my goodness. Right? Yeah. But okay. They're neglectful, shitty parents. That's pretty well established. They care much more about themselves than they do their son. That's pretty clear. But in the midst of all of it, the they found some place in them where they thought it was smart to buy this child a handgun. I mean, right. that's the thing. That's in the I middle. Mean, yeah. It's horrible, the other parts of this. And, and it pisses me off and makes me so sad for Ethan that this is the kind of uh, you know, humans that he had to rely on. Right. But then they decided it was a good idea to buy this kid a gun. Like, yeah. How was this the solution? How? Yeah. Like, this is how we're going to solve this. We're going to get him a really dangerous gun that he can take to school and shoot up with. And like, take him and teach him how to use it. And yeah. and make him really proud of owning it, it and, and telling him yes. that it's his. And yeah, just ridiculous. Yeah. People have got to wake up. And I think yeah. this case is that message right there. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, 100%. providing a weapon to someone who's clearly having mental health problems is the dumbest thing that you can possibly do. Well, that's a stupid thing to do with an adult, but with a child? Oh, my gosh. This is why they're charged. Because there's just so it much is. more of this to come. Of their because neglect their negligence their yep. led to this tragedy. It is. Yep. Yikes. Well, that's the crumblies, and we'll keep you updated on that uh, preliminary hearing, but that's that's how it's going so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see, Katie. Um, oh, there's an update in the Fred Meyer shooter. Oh, there is. Yes. So we talked about this, what day? Tuesday? Mm-hmm. Tuesday this week. This was this Guy who walked into Fred Meyer, uh, he had a backpack and like a duffel bag in the shopping cart. And he originally what we knew is that he had a conversation with someone in the store, a brief one, like maybe 10, 15 seconds, and then turned a gun on them and killed them. Yeah. And then shot a Fred Meyer employee before fleeing. And that's when we reported, that's all we knew is that there was a manhunt out for this person. Well, you know what we said? If you watch that episode, you know what we said. We said somebody's going to see this and go, "Oh, I know this guy." Right? right. Well, that's exactly what happened. Turns out, lots right. of people know this guy, mm-hmm. and it wasn't very long, and they knew who he was. Aaron Christopher Kelly. He's thirty-nine years old, and they were able to pick him up. So this this shooting happened on Monday. It looks like they picked him up on Tuesday. Good. So the guy that he killed was an Instacart. Shopper. And he oh, was working. No. Mm-hmm. Just there working. That's really sad. Isn't that sad? He was just there working. And we still don't know what their conversation was. That still has not been made clear. So we're not really sure if they had a fight or if he just, you know, turned around and spoke some nonsense to him. Or we have no idea still. But we do know that that is uh, the person that he killed was an Instacart shopper. So this is uh, this is our shooter. Mm. He's young. Gosh. No, he's 39. I know, but he, he, yeah. he just looks young. Like there's something young about that. 
He does. The person that he killed's name is Justin Crumba, and he mm. was 38. Wow. So Instacart has been uh, involved, and it's uh, looks to me like helping the family and, you know, doing some things from good. that front, which is good. They should. Uh, mm-hmm. The employee that was shot is still in critical condition in the hospital. Uh Apparently, this guy was known in that store and other Fred Myers for being a shoplifter. Oh. But uh, the police said that acquaintances of Kelly said that he his condition has deteriorated over the past few weeks and months. And he's been distancing himself from friends and family. Oh, dear. Yeah. Yeah. Things have um, not been good. No. Yep. Dang it. Well, I'm glad at least they got him off the street. That's good. Yes, absolutely. Yep. So that's what we know. Yeah. So um, we don't have anything new on Daybell Vallow yet. There's court coming up in March. A couple of different court dates in March that are really important. The severing, mm-hmm. the 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 uh, hearing to uh, propose severing the trials is coming mm-hmm. up in March. And so is the <laughs> hearing to drop all charges against Chad. Um, we're going to laugh all the way through that one. Um, so that's what we know there. There aren't any more updates. Um, no, yes, however, you... March, yeah. I believe it's March 8th mm-hmm. is 180 days for Miss Lori. Mm-hmm. So in March, there will have to be a determination about whether or not she is finally spiffed up and ready to come back to court or if they're giving her another stint in the hospital. Right, yeah. So we may see at least a filing on that. We won't see a hearing. Mm-hmm. No. Because it is sealed. Um, yes, Means did move to Missouri as far as we know. He sold his house in Idaho. Yes. He bought a house in Missouri. That all went down actually before he got kicked off of this case. Um, but it was done quite quietly. And so we haven't heard anything more from him. And we haven't heard anything more on if there's more to come if there are going to be consequences for him or if that will ever even be public. We don't know. Yeah. Um, there was a question about Susan Powell. No, I have no. an answer. No, no, I have an answer on that. Oh. Yes. There's something really, really interesting happening in the search oh. for Susan Powell. Well, I, yeah, I knew there was a search, but I didn't think they'd found anything. Well, they have. So do you guys remember, maybe you don't, there used to be a show I know because my husband's a, a gearhead, but there is oh. uh <clears throat> pardon me. There used to be a show on called Diesel Brothers. Oh, okay. And it was these guys from Utah that uh, you know, like would build all these cool trucks and give them away and stuff. Neat guys, actually. And the main guy's name is Dave Sparks. And they don't have that show anymore, but he has a YouTube channel now that's really, really popular. And, you know, basically these guys went from nothing to having a ton of money and they do all kinds of cool stuff with it. So they have one of his latest episodes and he's kind of fun to watch on YouTube in general, to be honest, but he lived in Utah at the time of Susan uh, Powell disappearing. And a few months ago, he came across a guy who told him that he really thinks he knows which mine Susan bodies was Powell's body was deposited in. Really? And so they drove out to this mine and the mine is like, these guys are somewhere in the Salt Lake area. This, the mine is like three hours from their house. It's a way out, you know, which we knew that, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, 
we, we knew that Susan Powell's husband had driven a long ways out with her body. Right. At any rate, so they show him this mine that used to be standing. It used to have this big uh, A-frame thing over top of it. And then it has partway down what's known as a bird's nest, which is like another landing spot. Well, okay. somehow this, uh, before Susan disappeared, it was standing. These guys who are always traipsing around out there on that desert uh, looking for rocks and for Galena and stuff. They had seen this standing and then shortly after Susan disappeared, it had been burned and caved in. Oh, really? Which they thought was really weird and they've tried to search it since. But there's it's there's all this dirt down in it now and all of these like partly burned beams and all this shit that's all piled up. Right. So this really got Dave Sparks attention. And he decided, you know what? I have the equipment. This guy buys like, you know, industrial grade, all this crazy stuff, you know. Mm -hmm. So he had the equipment to go check it out. And he decided to go take a team out there. So they went out there knowing... They were going to have to clear the beams first because, and all that stuff, which they did. And so it, in several trips out there, they managed to clear out all the beams and get all of that stuff cleared out. And then they're left at the bottom where there's several feet of caved in rocks and dirt and stuff. Mm -hmm. So we're nowhere near the bottom of the mine at this point. And only two, maybe three guys can fit in the bottom of the mine. So they were taking shifts and just shoveling as hard as they could go to fill up their bucket. They had this big, you know, bucket thing they were writing down in. And then they'd send it back up and they'd dump it and they'd send it back down. And they did this for several days and hauled out, I don't know how much. At one count, it was like 35, but that was, I would imagine, something like 70 buckets before they really got to the bottom. Wow. And finally, now they are releasing now that they have found unknown clothes and bones in the mine. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. Well, this is exactly what you said when we did mm -hmm. the Susan Powell case. Yep. Is yes, that's it is. where they were going to find her. Is, so, except mine. for that, I thought she, I really felt like she was lashed to something uh, sturdy, like a sled or something. But I don't know that they did what they didn't or didn't find. Yeah. So they have some bones. So they sent pictures of the bones to a bone expert. The first bone expert expert said they're animal bones. The second bone expert says that they are human bones. So we still don't know, but uh, they also... I mean, are the police involved here or is this just these guys? Well, at some point the police have gotten involved. Yeah. They'd have to. They would have to, right? So they do... Uh, they also have found some pants... And some other things. <clears throat> One thing they found was a camcorder that was kind of interesting. In hmm. the uh, file was corrupt, so you could only hear the audio. And in the audio, they could hear these people talking. And basically, they were just trying to uh, see what was down there. And they were sending a camcorder down there that was taped onto a rope. And when it got into the bottom, it uh, fell off. <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> you heard him talking for a while and then heard the thing going down, but that was kind of it. Uh, yeah, Susan's dad has been out there. It, it's a huge deal. And maybe they're wow. going to find Susan, maybe they're not. But these men, I've been really, really uh, impressed and inspired by what they're doing because they've done this completely on their own dime and on their own mm -hmm. time. And it's been quite time consuming. 
and they have worked so hard and they've been so emotional about it and they just like oh, really yeah. really want to find Susan sure it's pretty cool yeah that so I'll share cool. an article but I highly recommend that you guys go find Dave Sparks's YouTube channel and watch the episodes that he's released about this because it is fascinating wow that is very cool yeah yeah. Oh, yeah, Jana. Absolutely. Yes, I've been watching it. I don't know why I haven't talked about it yet. I've been watching it play no. out. And this is our you know. update case. What the hell? I don't. What is his channel? I don't know, Cranky. I'll try and find out. His name is Dave Sparks or or Heavy Heavy D or Diesel Dave. <laughs> I, I've heard him called all three. Yeah, Heavy D, Diesel Dave. Yeah. There but honestly, go. if you just go to YouTube and search for uh, Susan Powell Mine Search, you'll probably oh, find it. Oh, then they'll find it. Wow, yeah. that is amazing. Well, it's thank really you for cool. that. This, I, didn't, he I had no idea. did a video several months ago of going to see a medium because of so much grief that he has over losing certain family members. And it was so sweet. And this isn't oh, wow. like these guys build diesel trucks. But uh -huh, he was off, like uh, a, not necessarily his. Uh-huh. Yeah. But uh Anyway, I, you guys, it's sweet. It's it's really wonderful, I think. So yeah. what if it's Susan? My God. It is. Wow. But frankly, that would be uh, amazing. I just don't know that Dave's done. You know, if they don't find Susan in this mine, I think they might just see them excavating some other ones too. Yeah. Right. I mean, why not? If they've mm -hmm. got the means, why not? Yeah. Well, they have the means. Uh, one question was, do we think that the courts should sever the case? Um, Mm -mm. I do. You think they should sever? I do. I think they should sever because I think if they sever, Chad's going to move forward and flip on Lori and we're going to okay. see a lot quicker resolution. If they don't sever, mm -hmm. then they have to wait for Lori to be mentally well enough. Yeah. And and that's I think what the big what the big argument is going to be from uh john pryor um mm -hmm. chad daybell's attorney is that he is just rotting away in jail because these mm -hmm. cases are and, and i mean good for him you know starve to death mm -hmm. on hot pockets i don't care um <laughs> <laughs> you know that's what he eats sake. in that jail yeah but i think the point is valid that you know if you don't sever these cases he's just gonna sit and sit and sit and sit until they can move forward mm -hmm. now the judge doesn't want to sever. The prosecution doesn't want to sever. It's so expensive. This case is already mm -hmm. so expensive for way more expensive than what Idaho is used to. And then mm -hmm. to have to do it twice, if they actually went to trial, which I don't think they will. Yeah. Um, but still, you know, that's the thinking. So I know mm -hmm. that they don't want to. But at this point, it seems to me that... Yeah. It's time to let Chad's share move forward. I agree with that. I And I don't want them to sever for that very reason, though, that I don't want Lori. I don't want one of them to get a different outcome than the other and cause be that to be another, you know, issue to go back to court and a mistrial and blah, blah, blah. Those are the things I worry about. But I think you make really good points in that uh, at some point it just might need to happen. Right. Yeah. Like, how long is this going to sit? Mm -hmm. And, you know. And and how far do we push this until really Chad's constitutional rights are being violated by 
not having a speedy trial, which he actually waived his right to a speedy trial. He waived, so but, it's not But what's that, the limit but... on, you know, not having a speedy trial? Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. you know, we'll see. It's going to be very interesting because the judge yeah. and the prosecutor have already made statements in court that they don't want to do that. Yeah. But, you know, it always does come down to protecting the constitutional rights of the defendants. Yes. And that, you know, they keep moving forward and doing things, even though Lori's still in jail, in, in the hospital. And they've talked about how, mm -hmm. you know, is it even constitutional for them to have moved forward on any of this stuff yet? Mm -hmm. You know? Yep. <laughs> plus Alexis. Plus Chad could have a heart attack from the sodium and no one will answer for these heinous acts. Yeah. Oh, they're going to answer. These two aren't getting out. They're not going anywhere. Nah. It's just a question of, are they going to really push it clear to trial and risk mm -hmm. the death penalty? I don't think they will. Yeah. Yeah. I want to see him sweat it out on the stand. Right, me too, but I doubt he sees the stand. Nah. nah. At some point, this is going to hit its breaking point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and there's been so much pressure already. Yeah. And we don't know. We don't know if there's already talks behind the scenes. About, you know, a plea or something. Could you imagine how the prosecutor's going to feel if Chad ends up flipping on Lori and is the one that gets a plea deal when he had urged her family to flip on Chad because he knew she was getting the raw end yeah. and that she that's what should happen. You know, part of the reason that, you know. Little Marky Means wanted to see him thrown off the case because he said right. those things to her sister Summer. But, you know, can you imagine? If they don't sever, can Chad still roll on Lori? Yeah. Yeah, he can. he can. But it's a lot more complicated because their cases are still joined and she's incompetent. And, you know, it's mm -hmm. just they sever those cases so that his case can move forward without hers. It makes everything easier. Mm -hmm. But yeah, he still, you know, maintains his rights. Mm -hmm. He could do that, you know, yeah. and it just depends on what the judge and the prosecution and the families would accept. And, you know, there's all that. But I can see at this point the point of wanting to sever because mm -hmm. we don't know. I mean, she's already been in the hospital for six months. Mm -hmm. Well, and Ben, actually, it's almost a year now that... uh there's been a stay on her case. Yeah. I mean, right. That happened, I think, in March or April. I mean, it's been quite it's been some a time. While. So, yeah, I don't know. It's going to be very interesting, but that's all coming up in March. Yeah. So we're going to be live streaming a lot in March mm -hmm. with their court hearings yep. and just kind of see what's going on. Yep. Yep. <laughs> right, GB. I want to see how the, the clearing of charges of Chad's charges will go, even though the evidence is piled up substantially. Right. Like, come on, man. Yeah. Right. Chad will never testify. No, he won't. I don't think that Pryor would ever put him on the stand. He's mm -hmm. such an arrogant little shit. I just, mm -hmm. there's no way that he can improve his case by speaking. No, there's no way that's going to endear the jury in any way. No, it won't. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's interesting, but I, I do feel like... Nifty? Things are sort of being pushed to a breaking point here mm -hmm. because they've been in jail for so long. 
so much waiting, like, mm -hmm. you know. You know what would be the ultimate spin? Mm. If Chad were found incompetent to stand trial. <laughs> <laughs> He's way too arrogant. Oh, I agree. But I just had even... that thought, like, wouldn't that be crazy? If the next thing that happens is now that Chad's been in jail for two years, yeah, that he snaps and they end up having to put him in the hospital, it's not going to happen. I just, that's where this yeah. brain goes. Right. Well, I mean, we have literally seen if anything could happen, it would happen in this case so far. Yeah. If Chad takes a plea, will he have to confess? Well, these are first degree murder charges. Um, I think yes. You know, I, guess I don't that would be up to the prosecutor uh, and the judge. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If he has to, you know, make a statement of some sort. Because I don't think you can take an Alfred plea on first degree murder. No, I don't think so. But, you know, either way, the plea would just be pleading down from the death penalty to first degree murder, likely. Or maybe would... to get, you know. Maybe one thing off or, the table or something, but or to drop some of the conspiracy uh, charges. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. yeah, watch him on his book. Oh yeah, he's creepy as hell. Linda, you are right. He is mm -hmm. very creepy. Yeah. You don't think he'll take a plea? I don't know if he's got a choice at this point. Well, we'll see. I just think all the time in jail may, uh, you know, start having its way. Here's the thing: when Chad went in there, he was on top of the world. He had his goddess wife. He was the prophet of all. He was all these things that he thought he was and convinced everyone, not everyone, convinced a few people that he was. Yeah. <laughs> we'll Definitely not everyone. Uh, and now he's been in jail for more than a year and a half and he is nobody. Yeah. And he's been in solitary because they can't let him into the general population at the jail because he's no. not safe. So All the other inmates know who he is. On his own, gobbling down Hot Pockets for a year and eight months now. Yeah. And so I'm kind of at this point right now that uh, I'm just not really sure, you know, if uh, we're going to see Chad get a little, a bit of a personality shift. I guess that's what I think. A bit of a personality shift going on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. A handful of globals. Yeah. I, everyone was a big stretch. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. He's in jail and he's in a very small mm -hmm. county jail. He's in the uh, Fremont County Jail. It's a very small little place. Yeah. And they don't even have their own kitchen. So they mm -hmm. feed them hot buckets. <laughs> it's true. He has Emma propping him up. It makes me wonder too, Missy, how much his other kids have kind of taken a step back from him. Would it surprise anyone to think yeah. that maybe Emma's the only person he still has contact with? It wouldn't surprise uh, me. And Garth. I'm, I'm maybe Garth, Garth too. But I think Emma some of his Garth. other kids have probably taken a step back and are just trying to survive and live their lives. And That interview with them definitely uh, made me think that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Alexis said, low-key hope he's put into a gen pop and starts a new cult just for my own amusement. <laughs> Probably would try, you know. I, you I'm know, all about I'm... it, Alexis. Yeah. Yeah, those poor freaking kids. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I know. I, you know, I feel sorry for them no matter what they do. It's never going to be the right thing. But when yeah, they were interviewed, the you know, Emma and Garth did all the talking. The others were very reserved said very little mm -hmm. you know we're very careful 
Yeah. So. Yeah. We'll see. But yeah, uh, March is going to be a really eventful month for the Daybell case. And I think we're going to mm-hmm. really figure, get a clearer picture about where this is going. Yes. Well, I think too, with the kids, just one more point on that, you know, their mother died and they didn't have an iota of time to grieve her. No. And the way Chad treated her death and how quick he had her in the ground. And then she was exhumed and like, from any of us who have lost our mothers, we know the grief goes on and on and on and on and on and on and on. Oh, yeah. And then add to it all of this shit and the gaslighting by Chad and the very confusing stuff. And I think that it takes a real toll on your psyche. And maybe at first they had to hold on to their dad because it's all they had left and it just made sense and nothing else made sense. And the further they get from it and the more they process their grief over their mom, maybe the more their minds are changing, you know. Also, some of them are married and you really got to wonder what their spouses think of all of this and their spouses, parents and their families. And, you know, that's kind of where I'm at is that I feel like, uh, you know, as time marches on and they're influenced by people around them and they have time to process their grief and don't forget they're all active members of the LDS church. And so they're seeing all of these things that their dad has done that is in direct defiance of the church. They have to be shifting as time rolls on. I absolutely agree. I absolutely agree. At first it was like, you know, Oh, we got to be right there for our dad. He's innocent. Well, Mm -hmm. I mean, they've got to have seen enough by now to know that he is not innocent. And yeah, he has, um, you know, yeah. totally corrupted the faith that they, that he raised them in. And, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, I, I agree with you. Yeah. Does Emma really still live at his house? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. Last I knew she did. So yeah, I drive past there every so often. It looks to me like same, same people, same cars, same stuff there. Mm-hmm. When yeah. they were interviewed uh, last fall, she was living there. Mm-hmm. Cause they asked her, isn't yeah. it weird to have this like in your backyard? She's like, well, I don't come out here much. Yeah. I mean, realize it's two acres, you know, it's the, yeah. the the spots where those kids were actually buried is pretty far removed from the house. And there's it no is, reason yeah. to go back there, really, you know, unless no. you were trying to. But this is also the house where their mother was killed. She yeah. died in that house. So living in it, I don't know. I think it's really strange. I, me too. Me too. I can't imagine living there. Were JJ and Tylee buried when Tammy passed, yeah, they were buried there on the property when Tammy died. They yeah. surely were. They yeah. were killed in September and she died in November. Yep. Yep. Yeah. She was working, which is what she did. She went to work. Yeah. Chad stayed home and wrote his little books and played with his little friends and spoke at his little conferences. Tammy yeah. went to work. Tammy went to work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And maybe, maybe it is she stays there because of the memories of her mom. Maybe she feels closer to her mom there. I think that's possible too. Yeah. (laughs) Missy, I wonder if his kids read or heard his Mormon erotica. Right? Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. I, you know, are they like reading everything that comes out or are they ignoring it all? I don't know. Uh, I would imagine it depends on which camp you're in. I would imagine some of them are reading it all maybe quietly. And mm-hmm. some of them are refusing. It's all fake news. None of this is real. Yeah. yeah. 
I think there's both. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yes. Oh, yeah. October. She passed in the end of October. Yes. Yeah. And then Chad and Lori got married in November. Yep. Uh Uh-huh. Oh. Record scratch. Mormon erotica? Well, yeah. It was just the text that they had sent back and forth. That. Yeah. They did some creepy role playing and. Mm-hmm. Had these weird names for each other and this weird backstory. And yeah, it was yeah. gross. It was super gross. Yeah. 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 How could they avoid that? Right. How could they? Especially because they live here. It's all over the news. You know, East Idaho News has covered this case extensively. Mm-hmm. You know it's who we haven't really learn. thought about much, though? Mm. Tammy's family. Her oh. parents, her siblings. Her nieces and nephews. I can only imagine that as one more thing in this case rolls out and one more thing, they probably are following it all. You know, everything that comes out, they're probably seeing and they're probably just getting madder and madder and madder and madder. I can't even oh. imagine standing in their shoes. I can't either. I can't either. There, I watched the one interview with her sister. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was just heartbreaking. Like they were best yeah. friends. And yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, Missy. Yes, Missy. Yes, the, the loin fire. The loin fire in the Mormon eroticus. Mm-hmm. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> Just gross. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Chad was burning with the loin fire, y'all. He, he was, yeah. <laughs> Nobody ever wanted to think about that ever. Nope. But yeah, I mean, next month is a is going to be a big month in that yeah. case. And so things are a little quiet right now, but don't worry. Mm-hmm. It is going to heat up. It's coming. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we had a couple more things to cover. I think there was a little bit in the Maxwell okay. case. There's two things in the Maxwell case that I find very interesting. One of them is something I have not seen before. I just, uh, maybe some of you guys have, and I'm just new here. But uh, I got to show you a picture. I just found it today. Oh. Okay. Anybody know what this is? No. Okay. This is a sketch that was a forensic sketch from the hotel where Madeline McCann was kidnapped from on May 3rd, 2007. Are you serious? Mm-hmm. This is oh a sketch hand. from uh, a forensic sketch from the memories of one of the hotel employees that saw this strange woman there that they couldn't uh, place. Holy shit. Mm-hmm. That is a striking likeness. Mm-hmm. Can they place her there? I don't know. I don't know. I just saw this today on by chance and, you know, doing some searching for what was new in this article. And it just really grabbed me. So I had to share it with you guys. And maybe some of you have already seen that. But whew, that grabbed me hard. What? Yeah. It looks like her, doesn't it? It does yeah. look like her. Whew, well, we're going to have to keep an eye on that. Whoa. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. That is pretty wild. So. Just had to share that because I thought it was pretty crazy. Uh, yeah, they've been back in court. Or, so here's the thing. You know, as we know, because that loose lip juror uh, 
spilled to some of the press things that were talked about in the jury room. Right. Uh, Scotty David. And he told journalists that he discussed his past history of sex abuse in the jury room, but he had not disclosed in the pretrial questionnaire or the pretrial uh, questioning that he had ever been a victim of sex abuse. So they're trying to force a new trial over it, which isn't a surprise. They were going to find something to pick on. Right. But now they want all of the correspondence between Maxwell's attorneys and the prosecutor and the judge to be sealed and not uh, released to the public as, uh, you know, trials typically are. They right. want these things sealed because they say that it will uh, corrupt the process and violate her rights to a fair trial. Right. So we'll see. Uh, they actually said that giving juror 50, Scotty David, a preview of information he does not have and should not have at this juncture would permit him to craft testimony, destroy critical evidence, and explain away facts to protect himself while further jeopardizing the integrity of the case. What the? He's mm -hmm. a juror. What He's critical juror. evidence is he going to mm -hmm. destroy? Yeah. He doesn't have any evidence. What the hell? Yeah. The mm. absence of this temporary safeguard will contribute to further obstruction of the truth-seeking process, compromising any factual inquiry ordered by the court and jeopardizing Ms. Maxwell's legitimate opportunity to establish why a mistrial should be granted to vindicate her constitution right to a fair trial. Obviously, they went to the Mark Means School of Law. Yeah, but, apparently. Yeah. They also need Grammarly. Mm -hmm. Yikes. So that's, what, uh, that's what's current in the fight. I mean, we knew as soon as the verdict came down, they were immediately going to start picking some things around. Madeline well, McCain forget. in 2007. Madeline McCain disappeared in 2007. Yeah. McCann. McCann. My God. Well, yes. and, and never forget that Gwen Maxwell's attorneys are the same attorneys that are defending El Chapo. Mm -hmm. And they're using the same exact mm -hmm. uh, tactic. Playbook. In Playbook. His, in, in his trial. Although... They were denied a new trial using mm -hmm. this tactic yeah. in, El case, in El Chapo's case. But, mm -hmm. wow. I mean, it's all very really dramatic. She has a problem with who she associates with. Like, mm -hmm. you're all associated with Jeffrey Epstein. Now your attorneys are also El Chapo's mm -hmm. attorney. Like, come on. This does not look good. Yeah. No, it does not. So... In further things that don't look good, let's talk about Barry Morphew. Ugh, <laughs> do we have to? <laughs> uh, is McGlade Maxwell into the occult dark stuff? I have never heard that, Missy. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, that, that's never been part child of the sex trafficking with Epstein. Well, but yeah, but yeah, other stuff. Don't I don't know beyond that. Don't know. So there's been some theatrics in court with Barry Morphew's attorneys uh, and so on and so forth. A couple of things, they have been granted a change of venue. And they also have a fairly new judge, apparently. The judge was Judge Patrick Murphy, and now the judge is Judge Ramsey Lama. Yeah, I'm not sure when that change came, but they wanted to move out of Chaffee County because there's been so much publicity about this case. Well, duh. Mm -hmm. So now they're moving a little further to Canyon County or Canyon City in Fremont County. Sorry. 
for all future court dates. So not mm. only are they moving the trial, they're moving permanently. Yeah. Uh, it's possible that if they don't like that, they might actually ask for a new venue again. Yeah. Interesting. So, yep. So we'll see. They they uh, don't want like it there because they don't think that there is a good enough uh, jury pool. Yeah. That it's still too small for them. And and apparently Fremont is bigger than Chaffee, but it's still not big enough for them. But mm -hmm. we'll see. Uh, the other thing is that uh, they are still fighting about the DNA material. Okay, so I'll try and break this down. So there was some DNA material found on the glove box of Suzanne's car that may have matched up to someone who is a serial sex offender in the area. It's interesting because the police or, or the, you know, the defense has really sold that as that it is and it was and they refuse to investigate this guy. And turns out they don't have as much proof of that as they're claiming to have. And that's oh, why shocker. the courts haven't like, you know, gotten too uh, wound up about it. But they are still claiming that, uh, you know, their access to this DNA, you know, basically proves that there could be, you know, a different killer. Now, look, do I think they've done an awesome job in Suzanne Morphew? They have not. The prosecutor has not done a very good job. No. There's been a lot of trouble, a lot of problems. But basically, they're saying, look, we didn't even have that DNA prior to pre-trial. There's no proof that that person had anything to do. He could have serviced her car. He could have, you know, that's what they said. He could have been a part of the uh, car lot that serviced her car or done something along those lines. Are they just covering their own asses? Maybe. We don't know that for sure yet. But basically, no. they're saying, you guys are going public with this and trying to claim that, uh, you know, that there was a different killer and that we refused to investigate them. And that's just flatly untrue. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the other thing is mm -hmm. that um, expanded media coverage has been denied. So there will be no cameras in the courtroom. Mm -hmm. Yep. Which sucks because yeah. mm -hmm. then we can't live stream it. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. So I also uh, Eaton, who is uh, the new attorney, she's also, uh, I think, uh, you know, also attended the Mark Means School of Law. <laughs> the The way she talks and the things she says are so dramatic. Maybe she went to the uh, the John Pryor School of Law. Uh-huh. She's a little she bit said, of a pearl clutcher. Yeah. Here's a handful of things that she said. I don't think that we have all of the emails. I know the word conspiracy is a bit inflammatory, but I see a roadmap of all of them working together. I believe there is a conspiracy, a pattern of withholding and intentionally destroying evidence. It is still occurring. They are manipulating with words like limited genetic data. <laughs> That's not said, word manipulating with words. That is... Mm -hmm genuine facts. Mm -hmm. wow. I, I kind of wish I had some pearls on to clutch here. We move to dismiss murder one. We move to reduce murder one to murder two. If you won't dismiss the whole thing, we ask the court to dismiss all of the underlying charges, all of the sideshow charges where there isn't a stitch of discovery for this. <laughs> then she goes back to the persecution idea. Yes, I accuse them of lying and hiding evidence. It's a sideshow. Forget about where is Suzanne. Wow. Yep. Well, and it goes on and on. But anyway, very dramatic stuff. 
Yes, very. But it is, I am very concerned. I don't know why they charged him when they did. I don't know what the hell they're doing because they don't have mm-hmm. a body. And I don't know how they think they're going to prove first degree murder without a body. Mm-hmm. That is a very difficult thing to do. I feel mm-hmm. like they jumped the gun here, mm-hmm. that the prosecutor was really not thinking, and I, I'm worried about it, too. I know some of you mm-hmm. are worried he's going to walk. I am worried he will, uh, too. Me, too. Me, too. This does not look like an open and shut case at all. It really doesn't. Yeah. Unless there's something that they've got up their sleeve that nobody knows. Mm-hmm. So far, what they do have is flimsy very flimsy yep yeah well that is everything we have for you this week which is a lot yeah Yeah. so we will be back tomorrow night at 7 p.m mountain with the psychic hour and of Mm -hmm. course we have dropped three awesome episodes this week for a total of nine new cases because that's how we roll now so make sure that you have checked all of them out and lots sure of good to, stuff. Yes, lots of really interesting stuff going on right mm-hmm. now. Um, also, make sure that you come back tomorrow night for the Psychic Hour because, you know, it's just a chance to sit back, relax, and have a little fun Yeah. instead of focusing on all this shitty, sad crime. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you all so very much for being here. You know it. We are. <laughs> sorry. Clicked too quick. You know it. We are true crime paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. Have a great night. Take care.